Charlie Brown is doing the chop, baby. Oh, no. What is this, 1984? I just rambled for 20 minutes and deleted it. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Hello, from the Diaprom Pantry in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unseasonable Doubt, a podcast about spices and seasonings. I'm Josh Witt. Episode 7, Emma Real Talk. Follow me on Instagram at S and P everything because as you know it's important to salt and pepper everything this is a question I get quite a bit being the host of unseasonable doubt where is Emerald's place in seasoning history is Emerald Lagasse properly rated Let's talk about Emerald. First of all, you can't deny the theatrics of his seasoning techniques, right? Somehow he gets the seasoning in his hand. He he takes it from like a like an open container. He doesn't. He's not fresh cracking the pepper. Well, he is, but in this specific instance, he's grabbing the seasoning by the pinchful throwing on whatever the man is putting together for the dish and you know what he does <laughs> he goes bam and you can't deny it you can't deny you watch emerald he goes bam with the seasoning and you say that's got to be good right then you find out that Emeril Lagasse, he's doing the BAM on the TV show, he's bottling the BAM, and he's selling the BAM. And he doesn't call it BAM, even though I've seen on the labels in the past, the word BAM. <laughs> the word BAM. Uh, Mr. Lagasse calls that seasoning his essence. It's kind of weird, right? (laughs) His essence. But anyways, the man's famous. I've never had his food, but I've heard he makes really yummy food. And he's in the conversation of very famous seasoners. Right? So, how to rank Emerald Lagasse's essence? Well, having tasted it, and having tasted... Tony Chachery, that big con- that big green container from Tony Tony C. I would put Emerald above Tony C. Right. I also think uh, Mr. Lagasse is looking down on Mrs. Dash. Uh, Emerald has a step up on Mrs. Dash, so I'll, I'll give Emerald Lagasse those victories. What I would tell you is that Emerald is looking up to other famous seasoners, right? 
Emerald's looking up to the Zadarin's guy or woman. Zadarin's. He's looking up to the old bay guy or or lady. Whoever made old bay, Emerald is looking up at the old bay person. Right? I would even argue, and I may not, this may not be a popular opinion, but I would argue that Emeril Lagasse is looking up to Lowry. You're familiar with Lowry and his seasoned salt. It basically looks like red salt, but it's it's seasoning. It's seasoned salt, right? And so Lowry, I would rank higher than Emeril and his essence. So where does that leave Emerald? Well, I, I wouldn't put him in the seasoning. I wouldn't put him on the seasoning Mount Rushmore. What I would say is that Emerald does have a place in seasoning history simply because of the theatrics of the bat. And for that, he gets into the seasoning Hall of Fame. I would not put him top four seasoners. I would go with Zatarain's. I would go with the Old Bay people. I would go with Lo- with Laurie Season Salt. And you know who else I'd go with? I'd go... <laughs> I'd go with the guy who made the pepper shaker with the with the crank on it so you could you could you could crush the pepper. Just like they do at Olive Garden. Uh, whoever sold to the supermarket the pepper that you could freshly crack yourself without having to get a pepper cracker, a pepper grinder. You could see the peppercorns in the clear tube and then crank out. You could you could get a coarse grind, you could get a fine grind. Whoever made that is in my Seasoning Hall of Fame. Hey out there, from the Dire Prime Pantry in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Uncreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about ironing techniques I'm your host, Josh Witt, and this is episode 151, The Underwear Myth. I can't believe we've done 151 episodes about ironing techniques, but I knew, I knew that there was room and the discussions about ironing are endless. Find me on LinkedIn at the ironing boardroom. You've heard all your life that underwear doesn't need ironing. Everyone's heard that. Nobody see, you know, hey, don't iron the your don't iron your underwear. That's a waste of time. Nobody sees your underwear. And my retort to that is, have you ever wore a pair of iron underwear? 
Have you wore a pair of iron underwear? It's great. And let me explain, let me explain ironing underwear. The great thing about ironing underwear is you have options on how to iron your underwear with pros and cons for each of those options. First, you can First, you can crease the underwear to match the crease in your slacks. If you're a person that wears slacks and you have creases in the front, you can crease your underwear to match those creases in your slacks. And that's great because it makes underwear easier to put on a hanger if you have space in the closet. This option makes the underwear, I'll tell you, you may laugh when you hear this, but it makes the underwear fit the pants like a hand to a glove. It also provides cooling vent pockets on the front and back of the leg during warmer weather. And we're in the warmer months right now. And we're looking for vents any way we can. And I'm telling you, this ironing method of underwear gives you cooling vet vent pockets and I'm a fan of this method <laughs> you, you can hear it in my voice here's a tricky part here's a tricky part about front creases and back creases on your underwear it requires precision so that the creases in your underwear line up with the creases in your slacks so you may not so it takes some time you're going to have the iron and the ironing board out quite a while but so you may not find the amount of work required matches the benefit but if you forget everything else remember Cooling vent pockets. I mean, I'm a coffee person. Thinking about starting a coffee podcast. French press coffee. Delicious. Drip brew coffee. Not as delicious. French press coffee. It takes a while. Drip coffee doesn't take too long. You see what I mean? Sometimes you don't have time for, for French press. You can get a lower quality drip coffee, but still have a good product. And that leads me to the other option to iron your underwear, and that's iron, iron the underwear flat with creases on the sides of the underwear. Now, I, <laughs> with the right amount of starch, You'll be surprised how much space you'll give yourself in your underwear in your underwear drawer and in your suitcase when traveling. I mean, you can you can fit so many more pairs of underwear in your suitcase for your travels by ironing your underwear flat. Also, and this may be just me, and you know I've done 151 episodes of Uncreasonable Doubt. 
there's something satisfying about cracking open a pair of underwear. <laughs> cracking open a pair of flat underwear like like opening a paper bag at the grocery store. You know? The sounds. It feels like you're opening up the the underwear for the first time. So that's nice. Those are the pros of flat underwear. The cons, it doesn't feel as nice on the skin as the first method. There's no cooling pockets. But flat underwear, it's easier than the front and back creases. And there's more benefit to ironing underwear that way than not ironing at all. Dyer Prime is the lead sponsor for Unreasonable Doubt. Dyer Prime, they are a full-service graphic shop. They make designs and then put them on things for you, the customer. You're a customer that wants something for an election. You want something for your startup business. You want something for the celebration when we're out of this quarantine stuff. Tire Prime comes up with the logo, puts that design on a t-shirt, on a hat, on a sweatshirt. They'll embroider the logo for you. Call or text them to find out more. 304-767-4445. Find them on the web at direprime.com, D-Y-E-R-P-R-I-M-E.com. Or find them on Facebook or Instagram at direprime. Hello, from the Dyer Prime Pantry in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Ungreasonable Doubt, a podcast about fried foods. I'm your host, Josh Witt, and this is episode 23. Say fried cheese. Twitter. Tweeting on Twitter. Find those tweets at Elephant Ears. Elephant Ears are very delicious fried food. Alright, the last seven episodes we've been ranking fried foods. So let's get into, and I loved the conversation last episode about fried butter. Love fried butter. Got an email since the last episode. Hey, have you ever froze up, deep fried a whole tub of country crock? Yes, I have. It was amazing. So, a close relative of butter, cheese. I did say fried cheese. So, let's get into the fried cheese rankings. The top five fried cheese items. Number five, fried ravioli. Obviously, fried cheese ravioli. This is the new kid on the block. This is a new thing that's happening. Ravioli 
great under the normal preparation. Somebody's filled the ravioli with cheese and fried it. And of course, you've list- if you've listened to Unreasonable Doubt before, you know that we don't say any negative things about any fried foods. But it's not. There's four other fried foods that involve cheese that are better than fried ravioli. Number four on the fried cheese rankings, and these are undisputable. Number four, jalapeno poppers. The amount of cheese in a jalapeno popper is breathtaking. And it's basically lava cheese. And everybody knows that. And so, because of the danger, plus a little bit of the spice of the jalapeno, I like danger. But there's three better fried cheeses. So, number four, jalapeno poppers. Number three, on the undisputable fried cheese rankings... Cheese chimichanga. That's a special order. Usually there's a meat in the chimichanga. But I'll go in and say, give me a cheese chimichanga. And it is delightful. Also, very dangerous. But delicious. And the serving size. The serving size of a cheese chimichanga. Compared to one chimichanga. Dwarfs. One fried ravioli. And one jalapeno popper. But we're going up the rankings. That's a strong number three. Probably the upset of the rankings. The cheese chimichanga. Number two, tried and true, mozzarella sticks. And I know everybody tells me, get the, get the mozzarella sticks at Applebee's on the two for 20. And I've had it and I've enjoyed it. But you know what? I'm a sucker for High school sports concession mozzarella sticks. There's nothing else to say there. It's some people say, hey Josh, won't you get cheese sticks at the at the supermarket? Put it in breadcrumbs and deep fry it at your home. I don't want to do that. And so now we're at the number one. The the top fried cheese item is the fried cheese curd. Delightful. Cookout. They have the white cheddar cheese curds. Sheets has the curds. A Midwest, a Midwest staple Culver's. They have cheese curds. Dairy Queen cheese curds. 
and more respectable restaurants. I love a cheese curd. Less dangerous than the other items. Probably the smallest of the items. And so it's very deceptive. I'm not bragging. I can eat 150 cheese curds at one setting. So the undisputable fried cheese rankings. Number one, cheese curds. From the Dyer Prime Pantry in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unsneezable Doubt, a podcast about nose irritation. I'm your host, Josh Witt, and this and this is episode 15. Let's give them something to sneeze about. Follow me on Reddit at Nasal Tickle. Have you ever wondered where where the phrase "nothing to sneeze at" come from? Well, I did some quick internet research, and I found something on ginger <coughs> on gingersoftware.com. And here's I'm reading from gingersoftware.com. In the 17th century, sneezing was considered a symbol of status as people believed it cleared their head (laughs) and stimulated their brain. Soon, sneezing at will became a way to show one's disapproval, lack of interest, and boredom. Now, when you read that, what do you think? (laughs) It makes it sound like people had control over their sneezes. Like somebody's getting bored and making themselves sneeze. Now, I've heard people make sneeze sounds. And you obviously know they're faking. But control over your sneezes? You gotta be kidding me. I mean, you can't control a sneeze. I don't think. I'm not going to Google that. But I've talked about this many times on the podcast. And it's a, it's a, it's a warning. It's a safety concern. It's something that people think. They don't think about it. They're just trying to, you know, we're in a time of pandemic You've seen the videos where people sneeze and it has like the infrared light that shows the sneeze. Like like one sneeze can fill up a Sam's Club in like eight minutes. I'm not making that up. Um, so what I'm about to tell you goes, it, it's easy to fall into this trap. But my words of advice to you is do not hold in a sneeze don't do it 
Uh, I've done it before. And so I'll tell you, I've I've tried holding in a sneeze so you don't have to. And again, do not hold in a sneeze. I did it once. It was during somebody was giving a presentation. It was in a classroom setting. It was a very important part of the discussion. And I... And I had to sneeze. And so, to be respectful of the presentation, I tried to hold in the sneeze. Like, think, have you seen the movie The Hurt Locker? Like, trying to undetonate a sneeze bomb. I'm like, I was, I was Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker, only the, the, the landmine was a sneeze. And so, uh, I'm not going to spoil the hurt locker for you. What I will tell you is that one time I tried to hold in a sneeze, I almost gave myself a hernia. And so, unfortunately for sneezes, Once that train is rolling, you just got to let the train go where it's going to go. Do not try to, you know, that's even, that's better than the hurt locker analogy. Don't get in front of a train when it's going. The sneezes of the train. And it's not going to stop. If you get in front of it and, you know, put your hand out, hey, train, stop. You're going to get, and you don't move, and I don't want to be too graphic, but you're going to get run over. So, for safety and other reasons, do not hold in a sneeze. (laughs) And that advice, my friends. is nothing to sneeze at. Dyer Prime Pantry in Nitro, West Virginia. This is Unsqueezable Doubt, a podcast about condiments that need squeeze bottles. I'm your host, Josh Witt, and we're back again for episode three, Steak Sauce. Buddy, I'm on TikTok, and you can find me on the TikTok at squeeze underscore bottle underscore Please. I got a I got a I got a bone to pick with our good friends in the steak sauce industry. Listen here, steak sauce. I got one question. What's your problem? Do you think you're better than me? Listen, steak sauce. Number one, I would argue. That uh, if you're involved in the steak process, steak sauce, then I'm not eating a very good steak. I'm only asking for your services 
if there's a mediocre steak. You know, if, if my mind flashes, you know what this steak needs? Steak sauce. Then somebody's done something wrong with that there steak. So you're walking on thin ice anyways. All right. You are around. Your purpose is to make a mediocre steak taste better. And they they all can't be prime. USDA choice, right? They all can't be Wagyu. And I've had me a Wagyu burger at the Cheesecake Factory. Delicious. Sometimes you're going to get a mediocre steak. A mediocre steak, I tell you, partner, it's still a good piece of meat. But it might need steak sauce. So what I'm saying, steak sauce, is you serve a purpose. You serve the mediocre steak, and yet you're going to sit there and look at me from a glass bottle. Now, what in tarnations are you doing in a glass bottle? Am I right? Why aren't you... This is unsqueezable doubt. Hey, steak sauce, why aren't you in a squeeze bottle? Where's the squeezable A1? Heinz 57, I think of you in a glass bottle. You may make a squeezable bottle, but I've never had you before. You've seen the steak sauce aisle. There's that steak sauce that's wrapped up all fancy in in paper. I don't even know what we're doing there. I mean, truth be told, it does look fancy. But it doesn't make me want to buy you. And I guarantee, I guarantee that under that paper is a glass bottle. So, again, I could, I'll plead ignorant on this. Maybe you've put some squeeze bottles out there. What this feller's telling you is that I don't think of you coming out of a squeeze bottle. And that's, and that needs a change. When I think steak sauce, I need to think squeezable bottle. Now, I can already see the tweets coming. I can already see the TikToks saying, Hey Josh, steak sauce is too thick for a squeeze bottle. Are you sitting that if you if you want to send me that TikTok, then then partner, you better be sitting for this because I got some news for you. And we all know this. They're squeezable grape jelly. Am I right? They're squeezable jelly. Jelly. Way thicker than steak sauce. Hey, listen. Hey, steak sauce. Jelly called and said that your too thick argument is a weak take. Now, buddy mediocre steak when I think mediocre steak I think steak sandwich 
And when I think steak sandwich, I think steak sauce. And when I think steak sauce, I need to think squeezable bottle. It's dying. My steak sandwich is dying for a squeeze bottle steak sauce. So, so buddy, get over yourself and let's make squeezable bottles of steak sauce happen. Thank you.